Hello, everybody. This is the Power Slam podcast being recorded on April 20th, which is Friday. I had done at least the beginning of initial recording back on April 18th, Wednesday, but that ended up getting deleted. <laughs> so I am unfortunately starting over from scratch. I did want to talk about the Superstar Shakeup. I had some interesting musings about Bullet Club. Um, I might post that as a partial. It didn't actually get deleted, but it got taken off of my recording equipment and I can't simply append the back end of a file to it. So I would have to have kind of a split podcast and it ended in a odd form. But I may upload that anyway as kind of a, you know, as I did sort of with the WrestleMania podcast. I think I did pod number three and pod number 3.1. I might do the same thing with that and add that as a small addendum kind of to the podcast that I'm doing right now. That one specifically talks about, again, some musings about Bullet Club, what has transpired recently in Ring of Honor, and just a little bit of a discussion about the 100th and possibly final episode of Being the Elite, where I think the Bullet Club goes forward, and just a brief chat about Bone Soldier's return and what that might mean for the Bullet Club. Bone Soldier, in the podcast I mentioned, has never been more relevant than he is now upon his return to New Japan and where exactly he's going to fall in the Civil War feud between Kenny Omega and Cody. So you might hear that. It'll probably be by the end of the day today that I would post this podcast and that podcast if I were to get both of them up there. But right now I specifically want to focus on the Superstar Shakeup for the purposes of this podcast. But first, I can't get into that without talking about the unfortunate passing of Bruno Sammartino. I know everybody has been talking about his passing recently as it happened just a couple of days ago. I actually believe it was Wednesday the 18th because I had recorded that portion of the podcast without knowing, and then I think it was later in the day that I found out. It's a very unfortunate passing. He meant a lot to the world of wrestling. Somebody that had been in the business for a long time and was just a giant among men, even at 5'10", back when he wrestled all those years ago. He did end up leaving what was, I believe at that time, Capital Wrestling, and later came back to the WWWF with Vince McMahon Sr., partially because of his abhorrence of the steroid use, which was allegedly becoming somewhat common at that time. He didn't like it when he was a you know, young kid, a young immigrant. He was scrawny. There's a lot of stories about him being bullied out there. Uh, beefed himself up, you know, in his own words, naturally got big. It was huge for somebody who was five foot ten. I believe he was in the upper 200s, like around 270, 280. Uh, and again, just overpowered his opponents back then. He was one of the very first wrestlers to do that, to really put some muscle into his work and to be what we know, you know, Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar and those guys to be today. That was Bruno, Bruno Sammartino all of those years ago. And I think that all wrestling fans can agree that it was nice to see him reconcile with WWE and come into the Hall of Fame prior to his passing. Much like with Ultimate Warrior, if Vince can mend those bridges and Hunter can help mend those bridges, I think that Triple H has really been instrumental, it sounds like to me, in doing that with a lot of these old legends that have had strife with Vince. I think that's always a good thing to see because you're never going to want 
to pass away and wonder what if. It's better to bury the hatchet before it happens. And I think, again, Bruno San Martino, the Ultimate Warrior, those guys are resting in peace a lot more soundly knowing that happened. Now, of course, that's their career. There's a lot of things that have gone on in their personal lives that I'm sure would be much more important to them. But, you know, your career is an important element of your life. And these guys, particularly Bruno, were huge into wrestling. I mean, Bruno Sammartino was best known to the American public and people across the world as a professional wrestler. And so to have himself inducted into the Hall of Fame and to bury those grievances again has to be satisfying not only for him but for his family to know that was able to be accomplished before he he went so uh, r.i.p bruno sammartino the world of professional wrestling and i'm sure the world that you lived in amongst your family are were better for having known you um okay with that we're going to move on then to the superstar shakeup raw and smackdown i got into this a little bit on my other pod so you may hear this on the back end of the truncated pod but i will go through it again here i've got some time in the car actually and that's where i'm recording this this morning uh, making a drive out from the detroit area to grand rapids michigan for business which is about a two-hour drive just over that and i'm only about 15 minutes in so we've got some time off the bat winners and losers let's start with the brands themselves even though it looked like about half the SmackDown roster, if not even more, <laughs> was going to Raw, you know, at halfway through Monday Night Raw. And then even towards the end, it was like, oh my gosh, how many people did they pilfer from SmackDown? It was an unbelievable list. I think SmackDown actually came out ahead. And here's why. I think that the subtractions from SmackDown were additions by subtraction in a lot of ways because you basically got rid of what amounted to a good majority of the mid-card scene with Dolph Ziggler, Jinder Mahal, Bobby Roode, Baron Corbin, all shifting over, and those guys being relatively stagnant. I think that Roode had a pretty good run with the U.S. title. I think that that could have been elongated, but again, the U.S. title is a mid-card belt. You usually don't run champions for long periods of time with mid-card belts unless you're the Miz in the Intercontinental Championship which is probably the only exception in today's day and age but all four of those guys who I just mentioned again had storylines where they just seemed like they were spinning their wheels Corbin hadn't been used for much of anything and then there was that odd advertisement that came out I think it was for Backlash that advertised like a Styles Nakamura Corbin triple threat some of you may have seen that which clearly now isn't happening. I, I don't know if that was fan-made or where that came from. But Baron Corbin hadn't really did, been doing much on television, to my recollection, leading up to WrestleMania. And then he was in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, and I don't think did a whole lot of anything of note in that, which was one met by Matt Hardy. So Corbin could use a refresh. I keep on seeing stories, particularly from Meltzer, that Vince is really high on Corbin. I, you know, he ends up dropping the Money in the Bank briefcase last year. I think he supposedly had heat on him at the time. I can't recall specifically why. It was because he had heat on him was the, the reasoning that was provided. But then since then, if Vince is so high on Baron Corbin, he hasn't done anything. 
I mean, I really struggle to see where his value has been to WWE over the last year. And again, it's, it's a lot of it's been booking, but I mean, at some point, you've got to step up if you're if you're Baron Corbin, much in the same way that Rusev has when he hasn't been getting pushed. And Rusev's a guy that's staying on SmackDown. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but then we'll shift. Let's let's talk about Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler then gets repackaged, going over to Raw with Drew McIntyre, which I, I've seen descriptions online that Dolph is kind of a watered-down Shawn Michaels, you know, sexy boy, heartbreak kid, wannabe anyway, and that Drew McIntyre is pretty much his diesel, which is probably correct. I mean, <laughs> to be honest with you, I think that that's a pretty accurate interpretation of those two. I also just didn't realize how large McIntyre is until he was in that ring next to Ziggler. Now, Ziggler's not a very big guy, but McIntyre, I mean, really dwarfed him in a lot of ways. He's a, he's a bigger dude. I thought he was more of a cruiserweight uh, size, but I haven't seen a lot of Drew McIntyre. I didn't really watch him when he was Drew Galloway in Impact. I didn't really see much of his first run. As you will know if you listen to the first couple of casts, I wasn't really watching during the 3MB days, so I kind of missed that. But, you know, maybe a couple people are excited to see where this goes. I am not one of them. Don't don't count me amongst that group. Dolph, Dolph hasn't been great. I, I don't know who came up, if it was Road Dog or who came up with the entrance theme gimmick for Dolph, that was terrible. He's still doing it. I think he came out on SmackDown for that segment without music at first, and then it turned on when he was on the ramp, and it's like, ugh, just stop it. Just this, this whole gimmick, of, oh, I don't care. You people in your entrances, you applaud everybody else but me. Ugh. Like, come on. It, it's not getting over. It's It's lame. Just have Dolph go back to the old heel Dolph that he was when he had Big E and AJ Lee. Why can't we do that? Maybe that's what they're trying to do here with Mac packaging game with McIntyre. I don't know. But to bring the former NXT champion up and make him muscle for Dolph Ziggler doesn't seem to make be a very doesn't seem to be a very good use of his skill. It kind of wasn't a great use of Big E's skill at the time either. And I don't think it's going to be a great use of Drew McIntyre's skill. Drew McIntyre is already older than Kevin Nash was, I believe, when he was playing Diesel and is more accomplished and integrated into the wrestling sphere than Kevin Nash was when he was playing Diesel for Sean at the time anyway. So it's not as though Drew needs the rub and the pub. He's got it on his own and should be able to advance his own agenda in a singles format. He doesn't need Dolph Ziggler. Jinder Mahal... I mean, whatever. He <laughs> He's on Raw. He'll be fighting, I'm sure, for the Intercontinental Championship soon enough. Maybe they'll have some sort of crazy six-way match involving Jinder Mahal. Let's see if I can come up with six guys. Jinder Mahal, well, all the four guys, they just moved. So Mahal, Ziggler, Rude, and Corbin. And I guess we'll give them two Raw guys. Well, I guess the current Intercontinental Champion, Seth Rollins. Now, here's the problem is you're sort of bringing Rollins down now. You've got Rollins in a match with those four. Rude being the most impressive of any of the four of them. And then I suppose you could insert Balor into that. that then that begs another question. We'll, well, I may as well get into that now. What does Finn Balor do? I think there was a lot of speculation. I saw a lot of speculation that Finn Balor was going to move to SmackDown. And that does not appear to have, unless we get some sort of curveball here in the next week, that does not appear to have happened. 
Finn Balor is now staying on Raw. He is now without Anderson and Gallows, which, let me talk about that for a second as well, was a storyline that they never picked up. So Anderson and Gallows are on Raw. Here's the club. Here's the Balor club. We're going to do it. We're too sweetened all over the place. Raw 25 comes, and out comes DX, and you know, the Balor club is too sweetened with DX. Here we go. Balor club, full steam ahead. Nope. They immediately pulled the plug. I mean, you had Finn and the Good Brothers show up on a couple more Raws together, and they were too sweet in a little bit, and then nothing happened. And they just dialed it down, and that was it. And Gallows Anderson became essentially enhancement talent in the Raw tag, tag scene. I don't think that's going to get better for them in SmackDown, considering you now have the New Day, the Usos, the Bludgeon Brothers, and the Bar all ahead of them in the pecking order, so that's probably not great. But it just really makes me crazy how WWE had these three together were kind of teasing it were even doing it, they weren't even teasing it they were actually doing it and had them as a kind of a club together there for a minute and then immediately pulled the string and now you've got Anderson Gallows jumping back over to Smackdown where they'll probably be interacting with AJ again and for Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows this has got to be somewhat frustrating at this point. I know that the two of them have been frustrated with their booking generally in WWE at last, at least over the last year. They haven't really made that a secret. Just go on podcasts and hear them talk candidly and you will learn very quickly that they have not been thrilled with the way their characters have been put together in the WWE product. And this isn't going to help because all they're doing they almost really need an entire repackage. I don't say that about a lot of guys, but these two kind of do. And you could even spin them off as singles wrestlers. I mean, Carl Anderson made the G1 Finals a few years ago. He's a good singles wrestler. He can do it if he wants to. He doesn't have to be in a tag. Maybe Gallows more so does, but he could be an enforcer for somebody. But they need some sort of assistance from creative here because bouncing them around between Finn Balor and AJ Styles and having them play their lackeys repeatedly is not going to be helpful to furthering their careers. Raw then also manages to pick up Natalia and the Riot Squad for the women's division. They then have Natalia go over Mandy Rose for, of the of Absolution, who is then going to be going to SmackDown, her and Sonya Deville, Deville to meet up with Paige, who is now the SmackDown GM and their former Absolution teammate. And then SmackDown also gets Asuka over there. So the women's division, I don't think was as much of an example of addition by subtraction for SmackDown, but I do think that the pieces that they added were greater than the sum of the pieces that were added on Raw. And the big prize being Asuka. So Asuka now goes over to SmackDown. So now you can have Asuka and Charlotte. You can have Asuka and Becky. You now have the Iconics who have moved up to the main roster, you know how now have Absolution over there, and can work in storyline elements with Paige now being the GM and how she's going to treat the two of them. I think the possibilities are quite nice over on the blue brand for what they're going to be able to do with the women's division. And I think the area in which SmackDown may have won the most points is what's going on with the men's tag division. Because now you've got in addition to the Usos, the Bludgeon Brothers, and the New Day, which SmackDown didn't lose at all, didn't lose any of the three of them, they then add the Bar and the Good Brothers. 
and the, the tag division is just stacked. I mean, it is stacked. Because now you can get Barr versus any of the three of those first teams that I mentioned. And then the Good Brothers, you know, they're capable tag champs. I mean, they won the tag team championships on the Raw. But as I stated just a few minutes ago, they're probably just going to be used as fodder for a lot of these matches, even though they have the talent to win. Because there is going to be such a plethora of talent and wealth of talent on the SmackDown brand. So SmackDown, I think, is going to be pretty awesome. You've got Daniel Bryan, of course, now again in the main event picture with him being back. AJ, Nakamura, Big Cass comes in and does some stuff, which, you know, I think it's to be determined as to how Big Cass is going to do here. They're supposedly repackaging him as Colin Cassidy, although it wouldn't really be a repackage. It would probably just be a name change. It would probably be the same type of guy, same type of heel character he was before he left. At least that's what he looks like he's going to be based on the end of SmackDown. But then you also have Rusev, you've got Randy Orton, you've got a lot of guys who could be capable of main event matches there on SmackDown. So to me, SmackDown Live had a really, really good 2016 back when Miz was there, had a somewhat underwhelming 2017 when he left. But now, again, along with Asuka, the main piece that's being shifted over to SmackDown here from Raw, The Miz. and. I mentioned those other six guys who can main event. Miz can main event. Miz can, now that he's separated from the Intercontinental Championship, which appears to remain on Raw, he can then, at least in my eyes, kind of lose his mind, is what I would have him do. Get just really frustrated that, for the first time in years, he's not able to capture the Intercontinental Championship because he's on another show and say, to heck with it, I'm going to get the WWE Championship if it's the last thing I do, and I'm going to make everybody else's lives on the show miserable because I am going to have the never-ending reign with the WWE title and just go for it. And I would give Miz a push, and I would give him a run with the title because he has proven time and time again that he can work. He's fantastic on the mic. He's one of the best there is, uh, certainly with Cena out. I would say that he is the best that they have on the mic and let him act like the heel that he is and have that run and have a couple matches with AJ that would just be phenomenal. No pun intended. Well, maybe a pun intended. But do that and I, I think that you've got some really wonderful stuff that could be coming up with SmackDown. Again, I think SmackDown is the big winner here. Over on Raw, Raw was more kind of addition through other elements. Oh, one other on SmackDown I almost forgot about. Cien Almas. Andrade Almas. The most recent tag champion prior to Aleister Black obtaining the belt over at TakeOver New Orleans is also on SmackDown. And he could go, he should go immediately into the U.S. title picture with Jeff Hardy. Oh, geez. And Jeff Hardy. Oh, I mean, the hits kept coming on SmackDown. I can't even remember all of them. So Jeff Hardy brings over the U.S. title. Then you've got Andrade Almas. I would almost put them in a feud immediately. I suppose Miz might be involved in that. Then you had Shelton Benjamin stay on SmackDown while Gable went to Raw. So Benjamin could be a good mid-carder. And Shelton Benjamin's still capable of putting together good matches, assuming he's healthy. So, I mean, that SmackDown roster, I'm telling you, is stacked. And they could always split the bar up at some point over the next year and have Cesaro and Sheamus with singles runs. And you could give Cesaro a chance. I mean, the, the problem is there's so many possibilities on SmackDown now that I'm not sure how you jam them all in to these pay-per-views. 
I mean, you've got these multi-show pay-per-views, and I know that they're extending these pay-per-views. Like, Backlash is going to be obviously dual-branded. Dual it's probably going to run for like four hours. But with the amount of matches I want to see from the SmackDown side, I'm not even sure that's going to be enough. So hopefully we could get a lot of these matches on the card and get a lot of them out there to the public without shoving them down too far because I, I feel that even with these expanded pay-per-views and them being more lengthy, which again, to me, not the thing that you necessarily want to do if you're WWE, when you're on the network, what, what's the point in these pay-per-views necessarily anyway, to a degree? I mean, it's the $10 a month deal. You're not getting generally $50 from these shows anymore. So to me, I almost think with the amount of talent on both of these rosters and the breadth of the rosters, you could just run one branded pay-per-view every month. I know that they were sort of alternating months with the branded pay-per-views. Literally run 12 SmackDown pay-per-views and 12, 12 Raw pay-per-views. Or maybe even maybe slightly truncated from that. Fine, instead of six, though, do like 10 in a year. I, you just have such a large roster. And then that way you can keep the shows at like a two to three hour length for the pay-per-view. Do like a three hour pay-per-view. Instead of trying to extend it out and dual brand it and do four or five hour pay-per-views. You're going to lose the audience. I don't want to watch five hours worth of wrestling. I don't. I like wrestling. Believe me, I like professional wrestling. I can't watch five hours of professional wrestling. WrestleMania <clears throat> is a slog for me. I had to watch that in two parts simply because it's very, 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 very difficult to watch that long of a show. And the fact that WWE wants to, by doing the dual-branded pay-per-views, shift more towards that format is just, to me, that's the wrong move. And you're going to have more frustrated customers than you are satisfied customers by doing that. But we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out in 2018. and Maybe the company will realize it and, and make a shift. Going over to Raw, now that I've basically analyzed SmackDown and why, why they're the champs in all of this, because the, the SmackDown roster just looks fantastic. I talked about the Raw mid-card a lot in terms of the four mid-card wrestlers that came over from SmackDown. Again, Dolph Ziggler and Jinder Mahal, to me, don't have a lot of potential outside the mid-card. I think that Jinder's WWE Championship run was extremely flat. Rude and Corbin certainly have potential, but we'll see if they're they are able to. I think Rude is tapped into that with the glorious theme and everything else. Uh, and then his mixed match challenge run with Charlotte, I think, was also very good. But Corbin, again, I don't know what been season him. We'll see if he gets pushed on Raw. There was also some speculation that Roman Reigns may move over to SmackDown. That didn't happen. Seth Rollins, of course, is the Intercontinental Champion on SmackDown. What's going to happen with Dean Ambrose? So Dean Ambrose has been out. Are they, when they bring him back, I believe he was on Raw, correct? Because they had the Shield together, yeah, on Raw when he went out with injury last year. I suppose there's a chance that they could do whatever they want with him coming back and just say he was a free agent from the shakeup. He was never assigned to a brand and they could just have him show up on SmackDown if they wanted to. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with him when he is healthy enough to come back. He's the uh, WWE version of Kawhi Leonard in that he's been on the shelf and supposedly was supposed to have come back by this point, but hasn't. And I think a lot of people are scratching their heads as to why. But he legitimately supposedly has suffered some sort of physical setback. So I wish the best to Dean Ambrose. I hope that his recovery picks back up and he's able to get back to it sooner rather than later. 
because at this point I'm not so sure that they're going to reunite the shield. I think that that second shield run is probably over now because they really haven't been doing much of anything on camera with Reigns and Rollins and have sort of abandoned that and gone back to each of them individually as singles wrestlers. So I'm not sure what's going to occur with Dean Ambrose upon his return. Touching on that, actually, does anybody think that WWE believes that Reigns' inability to hold the top belt, and let's not mistake it, there has to, has to, has to, I believe it's got to be coming from Vince, has to be a strong belief that Reigns just isn't ready, or the fans aren't ready for Reigns to have the top belt, to have him lose it one time at 31 and then another time at 34. Do you think that the blame for this time around when they wanted to put it on him at 34 is partially going to be on Dean Ambrose's injury? Because that was, if everybody will sort of remember, at least from reading the dirt sheets, I believe, leading up kind of in the late fall, early winter, and the beginning of that Shield run, the idea being that we'll get the Shield together and that will essentially get Reigns over with the fans. We'll reunite the Shield. The fans will have no choice but to cheer for Reigns because they love the Shield so much. And then when that transpires, we'll be able to get him over as the singles wrestler we want him to be and make him the champ at WrestleMania. But of course, that entire plan got railroaded by the Ambrose injury. They put Angle in as the replacement at, what was that? Was that Survivor Series? Or with the pay-per-view, whatever that was. And once that was over, that was it for the Shield storyline. You really didn't see any more of it. So in any event, I digress. You've got Roman and Lesnar going at it at the Greatest Royal Rumble, which is extremely interesting. It'll be a week from today. I'm recording this on 20th. It's on the 27th. And the pre-show starts at 11. So you really, if you wanted to go to the bar, if you knew somebody or a place that broadcasted WWE Network pay-per-views and wanted to go and watch that in the middle of the day over your lunch hour, you kind of could, at least the first part of it. Now, that kind of intrigues me. It'd be very interesting. Or even take a half day on Friday. Again, if it's nice, nice weather, depending on where you are, go out, enjoy it, and watch some wrestling in the middle of the day. It's almost like the WWE version of the first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament. Go out, have a fun time, have a couple drinks. So they are wrestling at the Grace Royal Rumble. Samoa Joe comes back and is inserted immediately into the Intercontinental title picture as he, I believe, is in a four-way match with Balor, The Miz, and the champion Rollins for the Intercontinental title, which, of course, at this point, I think you can reasonably believe that The Miz is not going to win because he's going over to SmackDown and Jeff Hardy already took the U.S. title over there. Joe is not going to win because he's then going to feud with Reigns and have a match with him at Backlash. So the only conceivable winners of that match are Rollins and Balor, and I'm guessing Rollins is going to retain. And maybe we'll just see a continued back and forth between he and Balor. But as I stated, Raw was a lot of, not just addition from SmackDown, but addition from NXT and other sources being McIntyre, Samoa Joe coming back from injury. Oh, that's right. Sanity is going to SmackDown, too. So, Eric Young will be there, and then Dane and Wolf can tag over there as well. I mean, it's just unbelievable. SmackDown, I'm going to love SmackDown so much over the next year. I'm going to watch every Tuesday night. But, 
Uh, unfortunately, Raw didn't get them. I mean, just another example. They got did get Bobby Lashley, though. And, again, Dirt Street reports a lot of people thought Lashley could come in and feud with Lesnar. The latest I'm seeing is he's not going to feud with Lesnar. I think at some point they could have him feud with Lesnar if Lesnar's deal is more than just a few appearances. Again, nobody knows that. Nobody knows the terms of Brock's deal. There were a couple of reports that came out right after it was signed saying it's a multi-year deal. I think that's hogwash. I don't think it is at all. I'm more along the lines of the more recent reports, which are that it's only for a handful of appearances and may only go through the greatest Royal Rumble. Because let's face it, they've got to get that belt off of Lesnar. And if it's not going to be Reigns, it's got to be through somebody else. They cannot have a guy who is the epitome of a part-timer, okay, who actively hold a belt for months on end and only show up basically the equivalent of what would you say he's shown up on average on TV during this last Universal title run? Maybe twice a month? Maybe. And that's including pay-per-views. You can't have that. Doesn't go to any house shows. The only house show he'll go to is like, again, Madison Square Garden or something like that. For your top belt, that's insane. And I know it creates some sort of aura, but you just can't do that. You know, I give credit to guys like Cena and guys like Rock because when they do come back, and guys like Jericho, specifically Jericho too, when they do come back, they come back for full runs. They don't come back and just you know, disappear for grand lengths of time. You know, oh, I'm going to take a few week vacation, then I'm going to come back, and then I'm, you know, they are always consistently on TV for that period in which they're back. And Jericho. You know, is coming back for the Greatest Royal Rumble, but he, that sounds like that's just a one-off. That's not He's not coming back with some sort of part-time return or full-time return or anything. It's literally just coming back for that show. But th- those guys I respect for doing that, coming back and making it a deal. And I also respect Batista for coming out and commenting multiple times recently that he wanted to come back for a full-time run and just has not been able to, to reach terms with WWE for that. Lesnar in that capacity I don't respect because he's not doing that. He's not coming back and giving it his all. He's coming back and giving it as little as he possibly can while making the most money and getting himself over. And that's just, it's extremely selfish. And it's really not good for the product. And I think he, it's high time that he goes. And if that means putting the belt on Roman Reigns, then it means putting the belt on Roman Reigns. As I said before, I said in the WrestleMania preview, this guy, to me, has the tools And if the fans want to boo him, the fans can boo him. But at least he's getting a reaction. And isn't that ultimately what it's always about? If you ask a wrestler why they're jealous of John Cena, you know what the answer is? Because he gets a reaction. Whether it's cheers, whether it's boos, you can hear that reaction reverberate throughout whatever arena he's in. Because he's getting a huge reaction from the crowd. And to me as a wrestler, that is ultimately what your goal should be. To get that kind of reaction, to get a big reaction. Looking at the Raw women's division, that is, is still strong. I mean, look, Rousey, as I said, I think it's good that Asuka is moving to SmackDown because Rousey is just going to run roughshod over the majority of that division right now. Nia Jax is the champion. Alexa Bliss is staying on Raw. You've got the Riot Squad, as I said, moving over to Raw. Natalia moving over to Raw as a heel. Sasha's still over there. Bailey's still over there. So that's a pretty well-fleshed-out women's division. Unfortunately, to me, it still seems kind of stagnant. All you're doing is really adding Natalia and uh, the Riot Squad to the mix, and maybe the Riot Squad can shake things up a little bit. Oh, and then you added Ember Moon, who made her debut 
which is kind of cool. I, I've never been a huge Ember Moon person. I think a lot of people feel as though she's kind of overshadowed and sandwiched between Asuka's unbelievable run and then now overshadowed a bit by kind of the MMA girls between Shayna Baszler beating her for the NXT title and then Ronda Rousey being on Raw. But even with that, I, I really haven't seen... I, I don't like the character. First of all, I don't like her entrance music. I really don't. I don't think her entrance music is particularly good. So that, to me, hurts it a little bit. And then the whole red eye thing. I'm not sure what she's supposed to be, like some sort of ancient warrior or, or Amazonian warrior or something. It's, it's a very different character. But... She seems kind of like a, a decent worker, solid worker in the ring. Hopefully that can improve. And they have put her in a good spot on Raw thus far. They had her win on Monday, and they're making her look good in her initial run. So hopefully she gets some time to shine. But I just don't think there was enough to really shake up that Raw women's roster. I think Asuka was the big move going to SmackDown. It, it, I suppose the shakeup in the Raw women's roster is Rousey, who works at WrestleMania and hasn't really done a whole lot yet on the brand, hasn't really been wrestling in, on individual Raws, which she will be doing, I, I believe, certainly soon. And maybe that's well, where we'll see the shakeup occur between her and her interactions with Nia Jax, Alexa Bliss, Sasha, Bailey. So stay tuned to see how that all shakes out. Braun stays on Raw, which I think was good. So let's look at the world title scene or the universal title scene over on Raw before I sign off here, and I guess we could look at the tag scene really briefly too. Well, let's talk about the tag scene really quickly. <laughs> now that the bar is gone, what is the Raw tag scene? That's the problem. The SmackDown tag scene, as I just stated, is stacked. The Usos, the Bludgeon Brothers, the New Day, the Bar, Sanity, the Good Brothers. It's an unbelievable wealth of riches on SmackDown. On Raw, you've got the Revival... <laughs> Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel now, <laughs> since they're no longer in the Mistourage. Um, Nicholas and Braun Strowman. I mean, I don't. I, you've got that tournament that's going on. I guess the tag champs look like they're probably going to end up being Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy, who you would suspect are going to win this match at the Greatest Royal Rumble to get the tag belts, considering the bar have already been announced as going to SmackDown. So whoever came up with that. I'm not quite sure. I suppose WWE has thrown us stranger curveballs, but I, I don't suspect the bar is going to show up on SmackDown with the Raw Tag Team belts. Again, maybe they, maybe they can. Maybe that's the weird, you know, swerve that they'll throw us. But I would imagine that Hardy and Wyatt are going to win the Raw Tag belts at the Greatest Royal Rumble in one week, and then I suppose they'll have an ongoing storyline about the Broken Universe and what have you, and let the wackiness commence, I suppose, at that point, because I can't take really the raw tag scene seriously. It's just not a great tag scene. I think the Revival, again, are very good with what they do and will be there to compete, but I just don't see a lot of teams there. You know, have what, Brizongo, I guess, who can be inserted into the scene. There's not a lot to really get you excited with the raw tag scene. Maybe you can make Ziggler and McIntyre a team and have them get them. I, I don't know but those raw belts don't look like they're going to be held up very well over the next year with the players that are on that raw side right now. It seems like a lot of individuals and not enough tags, not enough teams. You got Slater and Rhino. They were the original SmackDown tag champs, so who knows? They can always come back and win that raw belt. But moving back to the universal title scene, guys who can go after it, there are plenty of them. Lesnar, I suppose, while he's still there, 
considering he is the current holder. Reigns, Lashley, now that he's back. Samoa Joe, you could always try to shoot McIntyre up there. Rollins, Balor. Oh, and for those that, before I even forget about this, I didn't mention Rusev when I was talking about potential WWE Championship contenders, so I don't want everybody to think I'm not a member of the Rusev Day movement. I love Rusev. So, no, sorry about that. Rusev, absolutely give Rusev a run. I'd love to see the Miz with a run with the belt in SmackDown over the next year. Rusev with a run with the belt. Heel Nakamura with a run with the belt. Again, the problem is there's too many guys. I love SmackDown so much. It's going to be, I'm just going to get frustrated because they're not going to give enough of these guys enough airtime on a two-hour show. And I don't want them to increase it to three hours because I don't want to watch three hours of wrestling every Monday and Tuesday night. So... I'm just going to be I'm going to be a frustrated wrestling fan. I can already tell. But back to Raw, those are probably the primary guys who you're going to see there at the top. Cena, I guess, if he comes back and is a Raw member, I would actually probably make Cena a Raw member now. I don't think there's any reason to have him hold up SmackDown because I don't think they need it. Um, so if and when he does come back later in 2018, just make him a Raw brand member and see if he can help things there. Strowman, if I didn't mention him already. So there are a lot of guys at the top of the Raw roster that can do some damage, and there will be a lot of hoss fights on Raw. That's basically Raw. So you look at the two divisions to me. Raw is the muscle-bound power club there for the Universal title, whereas SmackDown is much more finesse and style. And considering I, I like, I do like the power, but I like a blend of power and finesse in my wrestling against strong style much like what i get with new japan anybody who's been listening to this knows i I love me some new japan and that's what i think that they do so well with guys like omega okada tanahashi naito those guys have a great blend of being finesse wrestlers but also can pick you up and powerbomb you at any moment and I think that a lot of those guys who are going to be in the main title scene on SmackDown are going to be able to deliver those types of matches, and so that's going to be very interesting and fun to watch. So SmackDown wins the Superstar Shake-Up. Next week, I will have a preview of the Greatest Royal Rumble. I will almost assuredly record that on either Wednesday or Thursday, preferably Wednesday, so I can get it out and to all of you at least a couple days ahead of the Rumble match. And then also at the same time review Raw and SmackDown, which will include the debut of The Miz on SmackDown Live, considering he was just too busy otherwise to provide those fans of the blue brand with his presence this past week. I actually think he was in, he was in L.A. I think he was in L.A. filming for some sort of TV show there's like a, I don't know if it's on MTV, but it's some sort of challenge show that I think he's hosting in part or is involved in, and they were filming that. So that's legitimately why I think he missed SmackDown this past week. But he will be on this week, and they'll probably kick off a whole bunch of post-WrestleMania feuds this coming week. So we'll be happy to watch it. Uh, hope all of you have a wonderful rest of the week as it's going to be beautiful and sunny for the first time here in the Metro Detroit area in months going to be in the high 50s low 60s we're finally getting spring weather see some green grass and it's going to be a great great weekend i'll have a blast with my son hope all of you enjoy your family and friends and i will talk to you next week bye-bye